All right, welcome. Everybody, good to see you. Thanks very much for making the decision to uh, join us here today. Hey, before I get started, uh, I want to look ahead. Next weekend, we're going to begin this new series. It's called uh, The Incredibles. Anybody see the new Incredibles movie, The Incredibles 2? Yeah. Yeah, we're calling this Incredibles, but what we're doing, we're going through Hebrews chapter 11. It lists a bunch of characters, and uh, they're just ordinary people, but they showed incredible faith, and we're going to learn from them and get inspired from uh, one of them each weekend. That starts next weekend. We got a little study guide, looks like this. You can pick up in the lobby at the Connect Wall for a personal study or for group uh, study. Well, today we finish up at the movies. And uh, each weekend we've looked at a movie. We don't necessarily agree with every part of these movies that we select for this series, but we, it gives us a chance to draw out uh, gospel truths related to each of the movies. And so today, we are going to bounce off the uh, Ghostbusters movie, and uh, we're going to dive into a study of what the scriptures teach about the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I don't know if you've seen the uh, most recent uh, Ghostbusters movie. It came out in 2016, and uh, I'll just be real honest with you. I did not have a real strong desire to uh, see this uh, movie, but I did uh, watch it, and you know what? Turns out it was better than I expected. Uh, the movie has uh, all female leads. There they are, as you can see. And uh, they, they actually do a really good job. Uh, they are hilarious. They are funny. But I'm not necessarily saying go out and uh, pay money or, or buy uh, this movie. Uh, if you can borrow it from the library, uh, and if you really want to see it, uh, that would be fine. The movie's okay, but it doesn't hold a candle to the original Ghostbusters uh, with Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray. Now, I don't know if you know the uh, timeline for the original Ghostbusters. This movie came out in 1984. That seems like such a long time ago. I was a freshman in college when this movie came out. And it cost about, about uh, $30 million to make. And it brought in over $300 million. And so it was a huge, huge success. Now, in both Ghostbuster movies, the tension is really this idea of the spiritual world, the supernatural world, clashing with the physical world. And in the movie, it's kind of silly and slimy and funny, but it gets us thinking about the spiritual world, the spiritual realm. In the movies, the spirits get into people. The, the ghosts get into people. Also, in the first movie, the Ghostbusters, they, they'll trap these ghosts, these spirits, in these boxes. The, the, the ghosts will live in these boxes, these canisters that the Ghostbusters will uh, carry around. So to get us thinking about spirits living in things, inhabiting things, I want, I want to show you a real short clip from the original Ghostbusters. Take a look. This is where we store all the vapors and entities and slimers that we trap. Very simple, really. A loaded trap here. Open, unlock the system. Insert the trap. Release. Close, lock the system. Set your entry grid. Neutronize your field. And the light is green. Trap is clean. Ghost is incarcerated here in our custom-made storage facility. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, these, these ghosts, these uh, spirits, they get trapped, and they live in those little boxes, those little, those little canisters. In the latest Ghostbusters uh, movie, the uh, spirits get an upgrade in accommodations, if you uh, will, especially as far as the ladies in the film are concerned. These spirits begin to inhabit this guy named Kevin, played by the actor Chris Hemsworth, 
who is uh, kind of a, a hunk. And so uh, take a look at this it's a clip from the uh, most recent Ghostbusters. Hey, guys, check it out. Hey, listen, I figured you're going to need my help, so I, I borrowed all this stuff. If you could just chuck me down my own proton pack, that'd be great. Kevin, come inside. Kevin, Kevin come inside. Part of the team. I can Kevin. help out. I'm not going to get in your way. I was born to be a Ghostbuster, all right? Nothing's going to stop me. Oh, man. Kevin, come on, Rowan, get out of him. Thanks for the upgrade. Rowan, you big bully. I hope this guy knows how to ride a motorcycle. Rowan, not Kevin. Yeah, again, in these movies, these spirits will inhabit people. And in the same way that this happens in the movies, the scriptures teach us that the Holy Spirit lives in, moves in, takes up residence, and begins to live in people. And that's why I chose this movie and this theme, because in my opinion, we talk a lot in church about God. We talk a lot about Jesus. But we don't really talk a lot about the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit moves into our lives and how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. We don't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. And so we have questions like, what does the Holy Spirit do? How do I know if I have the Holy Spirit in my life? And do we have part of the Holy Spirit or all of the Holy Spirit? And so that's where we're headed today. We're going to bounce off this movie and we're going to dive into a study of what the scriptures teach about the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I've been trying to find a way to help us understand uh, the Holy Spirit living in us. And so here's how I want to get started today. I brought along a bottle of uh, water uh, with me. And this is not just regular old water. All right? This is some special water that I got right here. In fact, I, what I want to do in a moment, I'm going to ask you to turn to somebody nearby you, turn to your neighbor. And I want you to uh, take a guess at what you think uh, what, what, what you think is in this uh, water here, what kind of water uh, this is, because this isn't regular old water, okay? This is special water. And so on the count of three, turn to somebody nearby, turn to a neighbor, and just tell them uh, what kind of water you think this is, okay? One, two, three. Okay, if you said uh, shower water or bath water, okay, that's gross, all right? That's not it, all right? That's not what this is, all right? If you said Lake Michigan water, okay, you are correct. Yeah, this is, this is Lake Michigan uh, water right, right here. In fact, just, if you don't believe me, here's a picture. Fourth of July, I went down to Lake Michigan, and uh, that's where I got the, the, the water. That's where I filled up this bottle uh, right here. And so I'm excited to bring this to you and declare to you today, this is Lake Michigan right here. Yeah, and about five of you are laughing, and the rest of you are like, oh, that's cool, but that's not like all of Lake Michigan. And you're right, this is not all of Lake Michigan, but this right here, this is all Lake Michigan. It's not all of Lake Michigan, but, but this water right here is 100% pure, undiluted Lake Michigan water. And the reason I brought this and want you to see this today is because we're talking about the Holy Spirit of God. And the scripture teaches that if we repent of our sin and if we make a decision to follow Jesus and we express that decision by getting baptized, then we've got the Spirit of God living in us. Now, now do we have all of God? Do you have all of God in you? No, you don't have all of God in you. There's plenty of God, you know, to go around. There's plenty of God 
for each one of us. You don't have all of God in you, but what you have inside of you is 100% pure, high-octane, Holy Spirit of God. You know, I love the way that the Apostle Paul says it in the, uh, in the New Testament. He says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? And I think if, if uh, you know, Paul were here today, that he would say, listen, River Glen, uh, do you understand that God, God doesn't live in a room like this in, in Waukesha, uh, we're getting ready to launch a, a new campus in Pewaukee. Uh, Garrett showed you some really good pictures of it, and it's going to open up in October. But we're not going to put signs up that say, hey, everybody, God's coming to Pewaukee. And you can come on Sundays, and you can, you can visit him. It's going to be really exciting. No, no, no. God will be in Pewaukee, but the reason God will be in Pewaukee is because we'll be in Pewaukee, and he'll live there through us. That's how God works. God lives in you and me. And the scriptures teach that when God gets in us by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, we're going to be able to see some kind of power in our lives. Everybody say power. power. Yeah. Throughout the scripture, when the Holy Spirit moves into someone's life, we see some kind of power in the life of that person. Kind of like in the, in the movie, there, there's power going out everywhere. And that's what happens in our life. Now, I'm not going to read dozens of scriptures to you, but I want to show you a few places in scripture that make this point. First of all, there's a guy named Samson in the Old Testament, and it says, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat, but he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. So this power comes over him. The Holy Spirit comes over him, and he's so strong he's able to tear apart a goat, goat with his bare hands. And notice, you don't tell your mom and dad about that. That would be a scary thing right there. And then Samuel, the prophet, anoints young David as king. And he says that uh, Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. There was, there was power in young David's life when the Holy Spirit began to move into him. In the New Testament, it says Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. What about this? You will receive power. This is describing the first Christians. This is describing the beginning of the church. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There's always power associated with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Then Paul gives, gives this message to all Christians for the Spirit of God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. Whenever the Spirit of God gets inside of us, there's always gonna be power in our life. And so here's the question that I wanna to address today. What does that look like? How does God display and dispense his power in the everyday lives of ordinary people like you and me? What evidence should we see in our lives? Maybe you're not sure if, if you have the Holy Spirit in your life, or maybe you're not sure how to recognize the Holy Spirit. What kind of evidence should you see in your life that shows that God has taken up residence in you? And that's what I wanna do today. I wanna share with you several, several ways, several uh, evidences that we see in our lives that indicate the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're taking notes, here's the first one. The very first way is that the Holy Spirit brings power to act with, with boldness. The, the, the Holy Spirit will bring power into your life 
to act with boldness. Think about it. When we realize who's with us, who's living inside of us, who's traveling with us, it gives us holy boldness in our lives. And uh, maybe it looks like this kid, you know, right here sitting next to this uh, elephant. And, uh, you know, he's feeling pretty, this kid's feeling pretty confident, feeling pretty good. You know, I got this big elephant with me. I'm not afraid. I'm all good because I'm traveling around with this big elephant. In the scripture, we read many stories where the Holy Spirit gives power to people to speak and to lead with boldness. And I want to read a few verses for you from a, a scripture in Acts chapter 4 about two very bold followers of Jesus by the name of Peter and John. Peter and John, they just healed a, a, a guy who'd been crippled all of his life. But the religious leaders, they didn't like it. And they brought him in and they questioned them and, and, and gave them a hard time. And Peter here is the same guy who just a few years ago, I mean, he was just a regular fisherman, just a regular guy. And just a few weeks before what we're going to read about, Peter denied knowing Jesus. He acted like a coward. But not anymore. Take a look here at what happens in Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and this is the key, look at this, whom you crucified. That's bold. He's saying you killed him. You, uh, you did this. But God raised him from the dead, and, and that's why this man stands before you healed. And then I love this next part. Salvation is found in no one else. Uh, they, they tell the, the, the religious leaders, salvation is found in nobody else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And when they saw the courage or the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And when you and I have the Holy Spirit come into us, then there is a boldness. We will have a courage, a new courage in our life. Now, I don't know what you've got planned, you know, in your life for the next couple of weeks or for the uh, next couple months in your life, but I would bet there's gonna be a moment where you're gonna need some boldness in, in your life. Maybe it's gonna be at school, when you go back to school, maybe in August or September. Or maybe for you, it's at work where you're going to need some boldness to speak to somebody around you. Not to put somebody down, not to put somebody in their place. That's not what this is about. But to tell somebody about what God's doing in your life and in this world. And many times, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say when you need those words. Now, he may not give you those words until you need them. But that's one of the evidences of the Holy Spirit. You show boldness from time uh, to time. And not just in what you say, but in what you do. And boldness will always cost you something. It might cost you time. It might cost you friends. Boldness might cost you comfort. It might cost you your reputation. It might cost you uh, money. Peter and John uh, got thrown in jail because of their boldness. And I want you to know, I just feel so amazed and just inspired by the boldness and the courage that so many have you, you have shown in the, especially in the last 18 months, in your commitment to un, unfinished. Yeah, a couple of pictures I have for you here. Just a couple of weeks ago, 
after we had paid for the land and the building materials, we sent a team, uh, a team from River Glen to a very poor area in, in Haiti to finish this, this building for a new church that we helped start as part of Unfinished. That, that's bold right there. And uh, I still can't believe this. Look at this next one here. We, we've already seen some pictures earlier of the uh, new campus in, in Pewaukee, and it looks awesome. It's coming together. Uh, but I can't believe, I, I still can't believe, that over 300 of you have said yes uh, to joining the launch team to start this new location. That's bold. That's very bold. And many of you have given generously like never before to make all of this possible. That's boldness. And boldness will cost you something, but it is evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and in this church. All right, here's another evidence if you're, if you're writing down uh, some notes. The Holy Spirit brings power to obey promptings, power to obey promptings. Scripture teaches that when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, that he, he gives us these, these promptings, uh, these leadings. Uh, that means that, the, that, that God, through the Holy Spirit, he speaks to the hearts of his, his, his people. He gives, he gives leadings in our lives. And I know that when we talk about promptings and leadings and, and hearing from God, that that sounds mysterious. And, and, and maybe some of you have never been taught before about promptings and leadings of the Holy Spirit. But, but listen, doesn't it seem true? Doesn't it make sense that if God comes into our life, if God lives in, inside of us, that he will also want to guide us and lead us and whisper to us? I would think that he does. And I would also say that when it comes to promptings of God in our lives, Think about this. There's really no such thing as big promptings or small promptings. Just obedience. Because who are we to say that something is big or small? I mean, you never know when God asks you to do something. Maybe it seems small to you, but you never know how God is going to use, God's going to use that prompting in somebody else's life. Recently, I heard this story about a guy named... Uh, Lee Strobel, Lee Strobel told this story. Maybe, maybe some of you have heard of him. He's written uh, some really great books. But many years ago, he didn't know Jesus. He didn't follow Jesus. In fact, he was against Jesus. Lee worked as a journalist for the Chicago Tribune uh, for many years. But again, he was not a follower of Jesus, but he was a very successful journalist. And then midway through his career, he decided to leave the Tribune and go work for another newspaper. And while he worked at this other newspaper, he came to know Jesus. He started to follow Jesus and he began to listen to God's leadings in his life. And uh, Lee says that he kept feeling this leading from God uh, to go back to the Chicago Tribune where he worked previously. Not, not necessarily to go back to work there, but he had a friend there, a, a close friend who didn't know Jesus. And Lee kept getting these promptings, but he ignored them for a long time. God would speak to him and Lee would just kind of push God aside. You ever been there? You know, you feel like God's leading you to, to, to do something. I've been there. And you just kind of push God aside. And Lee did that for a long time. And then finally he decided, I just need to do this. God's leading me to do it. And so he did. He made an appointment. And he goes over to the Chicago Tribune that day. And he sits across the desk from his friend. But he didn't realize that the offices at the Chicago Tribune were under construction. And it was like a wreck. I mean, there's noise, uh, dust. It was just chaos, people working all over the place. But Lee decides, you know what? God's leading me, and uh, I'm just going to go for it. 
And so he begins to tell his friend about Jesus and everything that God has done, is doing in his life. At least speaks to his friend for 30, 40 minutes. He just puts it all out there. But when he's done, Lee looks across the desk to his friend, and his friend is completely unmoved. Completely unmoved by this huge story of what God has done. And his friend says, Lee, thanks for coming, but I'm not really sure why you're, you're here, because he's, he's not moved by the story. He doesn't want to hear anymore about Jesus. And so Lee walks out of the building, and he starts thinking, God, what, you know, what was that about? Did I misunderstand you? You ever had that happen? You think, God is, is leading you to do something, telling you to do something, and you do it, and nothing comes from it. Well, that's what happened to Lee. Months go by, Lee doesn't hear anything. Fast forward to a year later, Lee's walking around the lobby of the church where he serves, and a guy walks up to him and says, are you Lee Strobel? And he says, yeah. The guy says, I just wanted to shake your hand, and I wanted to say thank you for leading me to Jesus. And Lee says, well, you're welcome. Thank you for saying that, but I'm sorry. I'm not sure. This sounds kind of weird. I'm not sure if I even remember you. Did we talk at a coffee shop or an airplane or something like that? And the guy said, no, no, no. It happened maybe a year ago. I was working at the Chicago Tribune rebuilding an office area, and you came in, and it was loud and crazy, and you sat down across from somebody that I'm guessing was your friend, and you just started sharing Jesus like crazy with him. And I have no idea what really happened with him, But the whole time that you were talking, what you didn't know is that I was down on my hands and knees about 10 feet behind his desk, laying tile on the floor. And as you began to talk and share all those things, I set aside my tools, and I just began to listen to what you said, and those words that you spoke that day about Jesus, it changed my life. And that night, I went home, and I got on my knees, and I accepted Jesus, and my life has never been the same. Listen, you and I, we never know the power that comes from obeying a prompting of God. You just don't know. And that's why there's no such thing as big promptings or little promptings. For example, God may prompt you this weekend to send a text message to someone and let them know that you're praying for them. Or God may prompt you to give a car to another person and both of those promptings can change the life of another person. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That should be evidence in our life that we have the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but to me, life seems short. And I don't want to be part of a a community. I don't want to be part of a church where it's just all about our own giftedness and creativity and ingenuity. I want to be part of a church, part of a community where people really get plugged into the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We tell stories about what God did and and what God's doing and how God's using us. If we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we'll see this evidence from time to time. Now, here's one more evidence, and this one's really huge. This is really important, but again, we don't talk about this uh, very often and evidence of the Holy Spirit, and that is this right here, that the Holy Spirit brings the power of understanding. We act with boldness. We, we feel these promptings, these leadings from God, and then also the power of understanding. Many of you know that the Bible that you have with you, maybe you have it on your phone, maybe it's in the chair back in front of you. Many of you know this, that the Bible was written 
by God through people under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And I would say that if you individually, not, I'm not talking about you as a group, I'm talking to you individually, if you understand the Bible, the scriptures, if, if you understand the teaching, that is a sign and a gift from the Holy Spirit in your life. One of the biggest purposes of the Holy Spirit coming inside of us is to help us understand and live out the, the word of God. Again, not something that we talk about uh, very often, so let me read a, a few verses to you from 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 2, starting with verse 11. It says, no one can really know what anyone else is thinking or what he is really like except that person himself. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And God has actually given us his spirit to tell us about the wonderful free gifts of grace and blessing uh, that God's given us. But the man who isn't a Christian can't understand, can't accept these thoughts from God, which the Holy Spirit teaches us. They sound foolish to him because only those who have the Holy Spirit within them can understand what the Holy Spirit means. Others just can't take it in. The Holy Spirit gives us insights into the word of God. So here's what this means. Um, here, here's, here's how this applies to what we do in this room uh, right here. When you come in on a weekend and, you know, whoever it is up here teaching, maybe it's Steve uh, Larson or myself or, or one of the other pastors or teachers, or maybe we got a guest, whoever it is, if, if you're sitting there and all of a sudden you understand it and light bulbs go off and you get it, it makes sense to you, I want you to know that the reason that you get it is not because the person teaching up here has chosen just the right words or just the right story. It's evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life. One of the most powerful purposes of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate our minds and to help us understand the word of, of God. I've heard it said like this, that you must have the spirit of God to understand the truths of God. Uh, you must have the spirit of God to understand the word of God. But maybe right now some of you are, are wondering about something. Maybe some of you are even, you know, having a little argument in your mind with me right now that goes kind of like this. Okay, Ben, I get that. I understand that, you know, you have to have the spirit of God to understand the, the truths of God. I, I, I get that. But Ben, I understood, you know, everything that you've taught uh, so far uh, today. It made sense to me. And I don't really think of myself as someone who believes in Jesus or follows Jesus or has been baptized uh, or as someone who has the Holy Spirit living in me, but yet I understood the teachings that you shared from the scripture today. I understood all of it. Well, here's what I would say. You may grasp the information, but you will not experience the transformation. And there's a big difference there. The whole truth of the, of the scriptures, the whole truth of the Bible is not just something that we hear on a Saturday or a Sunday. It's something that we live out on Monday. And anybody can come here on a weekend and hear the truth of the scripture on a Saturday or a Sunday, but living it out on Monday, I mean, that's something that requires the presence of the Holy Spirit and transformation. And maybe for some of us, there's, this is where we feel some anxiety, maybe some frustration. You know, maybe you wouldn't want to say this out loud, but you know, maybe if you're being really honest, you would 
you, you would admit this uh, maybe to yourself, maybe to God, that the truth is when it comes to me in the Christian life, I mean, I, I just feel like I'm kind of at the end of my rope almost. I mean, I'm here, I'm at church uh, 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 frequently, but I, I feel like I'm failing at the Christian life. I feel like I'm flunking out of the Christian life. And, and I've been around here for months or years, and I just, I just feel like I can't pull this off anymore. I feel like I should just throw in the towel and if you feel that way at all today, I want you to know, here's what I think God would say to you. I think God would look at you, and I think God would say, I know. I know you can't pull it off on your own. I, I'm not asking you, but I'm not asking you to pull off the Christian life. God would say, I'm not asking you to live the Christian life. I'm asking you to allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life and then live his life through you. That's what it really looks like to live the Christian life. Do you know this? The Christian life is not difficult. Uh, living the Christian life is not, is not uh, difficult. Check this out. The Christian life isn't difficult. The Christian life is impossible without the Holy Spirit of God in you. You can't pull it off on your own. I can't pull it off on my own. God never intended us to. God wants to live inside of us. And here's my fear for, for River Glen Church on a regular weekend like this, when hundreds and hundreds of people come in here and we, we celebrate together and we get inspired by the music. Our music team does just such a, a, a wonderful job and the, and the music is so full of uh, energy and such a great celebration and maybe the message, maybe it... Maybe it motivates you. Maybe it challenges you. And by the time we're done and you're getting ready to walk out of here, I mean, you're saying, you know what? I am going to do this. I am going to be, I'm going to be more kind. I'm going to be more gentle. I'm going to be more patient if it kills me. And for some of us, you know what? It almost does. And here's the reason, because you can't do this on your own. You can't pull this off on your own. You can't be more patient, more kind, more gentle, more good. Do you know what those qualities are called in the scripture? They're called the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Think about that. I mean, they're not called the fruit of attending church every weekend, although that's a great thing to do. They're not called the fruit of growing up in a Christian home, although that would be great as well. They're called the fruit of the Holy Spirit living in you. And so here's the next step. If you want something to take away with you today, next step is to let the Holy Spirit live in you. And I know that sounds really simple, but it's important to make a decision. That's what you're gonna do. Let the Holy Spirit live in you. And some of you are like, well, how do I begin? How do I respond? How do I have confidence that the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in my life. Well, I want to show you a scripture where God tells everyone how to respond. Now, I'm not putting God in a box here. I believe God can give the Holy Spirit when he wants to give his spirit. But I share this scripture because I think it's so clear. It's such a clear step God wants everybody to take. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, if you want God to begin to live into you, here's what you do. And Peter preached this to thousands of people. He says you need to repent. And to repent means that you make a decision, you make a commitment in your life to, to follow Jesus. 
and then you're, you're, you're baptized. And in baptism, you picture with your life what Jesus did with his life, his, his crucifixion, his death on the cross, his burial in the tomb, and then he's raised up to a new life. Repent and be baptized. And notice, it doesn't say uh, repent and be baptized and you might receive the Holy Spirit in your life. Or repent and be baptized and then, you know, half the time, it's 50-50. Some people get it, some people don't. We don't know exactly. No. He says, you will, you will have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. And so if you want to find out more uh, about following Jesus, about uh, baptism, if you want to know more about those, uh, let us know. There's a, there's a baptism card in the uh, chair back in front of you. It says baptism bash on the front. In a few weeks, we're going to have a baptism service. It's going to be outdoor on, on Saturday, August 4th. And uh, uh, sign up for that. Fill out the card. You can drop that off at the Welcome Center or at the uh, Connect Hall. We'd love to have you uh, participate in that. We also do baptisms. Anytime somebody's ready, just, just let us know, and we'd be happy uh, to do that for you. If you want to talk to somebody about it today, uh, if you have any questions, stop at the uh, Connect Wall. We have people there that would love to help you. May we be people, may we be a church of people who live by the power and the presence of God. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for today and, and the opportunity to gather with you and with each other. Thank you for giving us time to study and time to sing and just focus our hearts toward you. And God, thank you for the opportunity to bounce off a familiar movie and allow us to get into your word and think about the supernatural way that you live inside of us. That we don't have all of you. There's plenty of you to go around. But what we have inside is all you. Pure Holy Spirit inside of us. God, thank you for this gift and the power of your spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.